Jeannie Flavelle's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavelle, and today is September 22nd, 2023, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Today, I'm joined by Eric Thornton, Commodity Specialist for McKinney Flavelle. Hello, Eric. Hello, Mike. Happy Friday to everybody. Uh, It is fall. And uh, boy, a lot happened in fall. I mean, it's getting darker earlier. It's colder. And you know what? It's just about time for my daughter's favorite holiday of the year, and that is Halloween. But you know what else, Eric, that's happening? What are are they doing out there, Mike? Uh, They are planting winter wheat. Yes, they are. So I thought today we would dive a little bit into your thoughts on the planting progress and what to expect moving forward. So let's go ahead and get started. For sure. Yeah, no, it's a great, great topic and great time of the year to to address that. And like you mentioned, you know, wheat is a little bit unique in, in the balance sheet with uh, right now looking at 23-24, at least the current crop year or marketing year. That's pretty much all but known at this point. We're, we're complete with spring wheat harvest now. We have a really good idea, I think, in handle on production for this balance sheet. Again, probably going to be pretty close to the USDA current estimate at 1.73 billion bushels. We know that stocks are still historically low, but marginally better from last year. And really, from here until you know early Q2, a lot of the changes on the current balance sheet are going to be related to demand, specifically exports and feed demand. So market attention with wheat really quickly turns towards uh, like you mentioned, the planting of the winter wheat crop, which is taking place now, we're 15% complete. And just for those out there, the planting that takes place now will actually count towards next year's crop or 24-25. So again, wheat is a little unique that it looks way ahead and way into the future, which I think, Mike, like a lot of markets these days and the trend we've seen you know, over the last five to 10 years as markets are always looking forward and always looking, you know, months down the road at what could be coming next. Yeah, no, no shortage here when, when talking about wheat again, like I said, 15% complete, still pretty early for the key winter wheat growing states. Really, you, you focus on the Southern Plains for those areas. Kansas is the number one wheat producing state. So we're just getting going there at 8% complete, but those states that are seeing the most progress thus far is, is up in the Pacific Northwest, uh, Washington State, 41% complete. They plant predominantly white winter wheat up there in that region. And, and South Dakota is also coming in at 34% complete. Colorado there, uh, 29% complete. So expect those numbers to really ratchet up here over the coming weeks. Usually we start to see peak planting progress there very late September into the first week or two of October, and we're all but finished by the time we get to November. So definitely uh, got to keep an eye on on weather, how conditions are looking, because Mike, you've heard me say for many, many podcasts and updates, whether it's WASD or looking at IQ, is uh, the winter wheat crop has been struggling mightily the last few years because of drought and dryness. So, yeah, I know we obviously take, take a really close look at what that drought monitor is looking like. 
uh, and attempts to project where conditions may fall longer term, what subsoil moisture levels look like. And like I said, uh, coming off of that three-year La Nina, which ended earlier this season, uh, really did a number to the last few winter wheat crops down there in the Southern Plains. So even though if you look at the drought monitor today, there is still plenty of dryness in that region, but I would say it has changed and it has improved. And most importantly, the weather dynamics at play now um, should offer more improvement to come throughout the winter months, which again, we're planting the crop now. It'll go through a very early development cycle, germination, obviously, and you know, get to maybe six, eight inches tall before winter comes and the crop actually uh, goes dormant throughout the, the winter months, pretty much from Thanksgiving right through about late February. So while certainly it's an important development cycle is to make sure that there is moisture to work with for those seeds to actually germinate. Because like I said, the last two years, because it was so dry, there were many fields that were, uh, I'll say, just being planted in, in virtually dust and no moisture to work with. So if you're not getting a crop that at least has a chance to develop or sprout or germinate in the fall, it's not going to do too well in the spring, which is the more important season in terms of getting that critical rainfall. But it's a reason why we saw such large amount of abandonment in acreage the last couple years, which is uh, the fact that, again, it just was so dry and we didn't have any moisture to work with. And again, the there is still plenty of dryness in Kansas and even some worsening conditions in parts of Texas, you know, central and southeastern Texas. But uh, it is expected to be much better this year than a year ago. And we should see what I would expect is an improvement in the development of this year's crop and also more acreage. So that would be positive. Um, I guess two positives, again, better conditions and, and p the possibility for more acreage. I will say most of that acreage is likely to come to the hard red winter wheat class. Uh, we, we were 11% higher a year ago, just over 25 million acres planted. I think you could make the case uh, there for maybe half a million, maybe upwards of 1 million acre increase for that uh, variety. Main reason for that, we saw a very large increase to corn acreage this season, 94 million acres, I think just over that number planted. Uh, soy acres took a hit. And I think if we look at next season and even some considerations again that are being, being made now by the farmer is it's still more economical to plant uh, hard red winter wheat based off the KC contract, still trading, you know, seven, seven fifty a bushel. And you got a pretty supported soybean balance sheet as well. I think we could see pretty steep reduction in corn acreage that will go at the hands of soy and specifically hard red winter wheat, maybe even a little more spring wheat next year in, in April once that crop gets going. Like I said, it is it is important to you know have the crop develop before the dormancy window. It's not a death sentence. Again, there's been years where it was not an ideal fall or planning year, but we got to the spring and we had, you know, perfect rains or, or adequate rains that uh, help rejuvenate what wheat was germinated. It's more of a, a germination and, and what type of acreage uh, 
uh, or at least harvested acreage potential we could see. So if we have really good moisture from now through Thanksgiving, that could allow for a lot of the planted acres to actually germinate and be harvestable next spring. So that's really the key element that we're going to be watching. And like I said, with El Nino currently in place and expected to be around right through the winter, at least from forecasts that we're following with with NOAA and others, that should offer much better moisture opportunities throughout the winter, especially in the Southern Plains, where again, a lot of winter wheat is grown. Yeah, Eric, I can't wait to check out that planning progress that you're going to be talking about. I'm going to click on that uh, Commodity Insights tab on the IQ platform Yes, as you're entering the progress each week. So if I hear you straight on this, the next two months will be crucial for uh, for that particular uh, crop and plantings and and how things, uh, if if the drought happens or not. And if they get timely rain. So if it is successful and it looks positive, how do you think that will impact futures? Yeah, good question there too. I'll say seasonally, again, once we kind of get in the dormancy window, it is fairly quiet from a fundamental standpoint. Not a whole lot of new information. You know, most of the wheat that's grown in the world does reside within the northern hemisphere. So like us in the US, other countries like China, EU. Uh, the Black Sea, Ukraine, Russia, they're also doing the same thing, planting their winter wheat crops now. But once they germinate and then go dormant, things get kind of quiet and it's just looking at demand. But I do foresee, again, with markets always looking forward, there should be some optimism, I believe, that will have a influence, at least on futures pricing, keeping us pretty suppressed, if not a steady trend lower throughout the the winter months, specifically Q4 into Q1. I see a steady trend lower, and I think that's also a reason why we're seeing prices uh, kind of testing these two to three-year lows today. Um, you know, again, maybe we're due for a little bit of a correction here from a technical standpoint, but there's also on, on the fun side or where the, the specs are positioning themselves, for those that kind of follow Sean a little closely on e- either his daily commentary or or in discussions with him recently, there's also been a little bit of a change there as well, where folks are going more net short in the wheat markets, also kind of foreseeing that longer range possibility for a bigger crop next spring and a a much healthier U.S. crop and thus uh, a better balance sheet. So I do foresee prices coming under pressure. I'll say more modestly, again, for the next two quarters, but Looking ahead into uh, perhaps very late Q1 into Q2 next year, I think we could see markedly lower futures prices. And I'd remind everybody, if uh, you're looking at trying to come up with a great strategy for wheat, looking at uh, resistance and uh, support levels and and uh, when to time that purchase, feel free to reach out to Eric and talk a little bit further about strategy for wheat and timing that purchase just right. Uh, and uh, so, Eric, what else do we have that are factors that are driving this market? Well, I guess, of course, we're going to keep tabs on the Russia-Ukraine situation. We probably could have a whole other podcast devoted to that. But, but in short, what I'd say, there's been a mentality shift there as well, at least the market's perception of that. Where if you say, you know, here we are two months now without any Black Sea agreement in place, you know, Ukraine is still getting grains out of that region and even taking the chances of getting some grain ships loaded. They actually sent their first ship via Black Sea port uh, 
I think yesterday into today. So again, they are getting grains out of the country, but with that situation still being largely unknown and, you know, what may transpire over the winter, it could easily get the market's attention back once again. But for now, there's been a whole lot of discounting or really, I'd call it very limited, if any, price risk premium related to the war at this time. A lot different than it was two months ago and really for the last 18 months, but the mentality has certainly changed in response to the war. No longer is it seemingly now too concerned about headlines coming out of that uh, situation, but that can change in an instant. So I'd say that uh, that remains a very topical uh, factor and driver. It's just right now, it doesn't seem to be much of one. Like I said, let's, let's keep an eye on the, the, the forecast the next few weeks. I certainly will. And like you mentioned, I'll be keeping those updated in the Commodity Insights tabs and even our new uh, monthly market updates with wheat. We also will touch on conditions there. We'll touch on some of these progress numbers, how weather's looking, and keep those informed. We're going to wrap this one up. Thank you, Eric. As always, a good recap of the wheat market. Uh, for those of you that are not IQ subscribers, please feel free to reach out to us at mckinney-flavel.com. We'll put you on a test drive. Yep. As I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute moment with your friends and family. And until our next podcast, take care, everybody. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favelle.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.